Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today, I'm joined by Alex Kalafi. Hey, everyone. And Zach Miller. Ain't nothing but a thing. <laughs> um, and this is sort of a double segment. I'll put a little chapter break in there for people. But the first half, we're going to be talking about the uh, recent, I guess, financials meeting that happened. Um, I guess it was, what, Wednesday night for us, Thursday morning sometime in Japan, I think, is how it worked. Um, that... It took place between Iwata and shareholders and whatnot. A lot of good, interesting stuff that came out of there. And then we're going to do some listener mail because uh, after Mike's desperate request, we got like five emails and they're all pretty good. So it <laughs> and he's be fun. not going to be reading them. So sorry, people. Yeah, wah wah wah. Keep sending good. them though. Yeah, please, True, please. Yeah. Any anything you want. I mean, really, it doesn't even matter. It's fun to read. Give us something to talk about. Um. So, yeah, so so I guess now it's been a little over a week since we got the readjustment of the projections for uh, the sales for this fiscal year, which will end in March. The hangover. Um, we, yeah, we, we was slashed from like $9 million to $2.8 million, I believe. And the um, 3S, which was the best-selling console uh, of the year, uh, was also brought down, I think, what, from... 13 million to anyone know what was it nine or ten or eight somewhere around yeah. there um I think it was less than 10 still respectable and i mean it's it's the best-selling console so that's a good thing but obviously they they thought it would do more now whether that's a failure of the 3ds or their ability to project i don't know um but so we knew this meeting was coming everyone was kind of looking forward to it there's a lot of rumors leading up to this about oh nintendo's going with smartphone uh, whether that means actual games on smartphones, or then there was that rumor of, like, demos hitting smartphones. Um, and then I think right when the meeting started, started a while, like, basically shot that down completely. Hmm. Um, they don't have any plans to, to bring games to smartphones. Um, I think the idea more is to, like, let you access your uh, Nintendo Network ID and kind of integrate smartphones in that way, like letting you maybe make purchases uh, and, and, and things like that. But no... No plans on demos or games, uh, at least not in the near future. Well, I, I think it's uh, it, the beginning of that meeting was interesting in particular because it seems like he was responding directly to people who were hinting maybe Nintendo's going to make some crazy shifts. Like the first yeah. things they said were, uh, we're not putting our back catalog on uh, smartphones, or at least yep. that's not in the cards, and we're not going third party anytime soon we are still a hardware and software company right which i thought was it it showed confidence on awada's part yeah i agree um the going third party thing i thought was interesting and that that i don't think he needed to comment on because i think most people believe that you know nintendo would still continue to make hardware i mean i don't think anyone thought this meeting was going to be them you know bowing out of the race and yeah. announcing the next mario games coming out on xbox one or something um so that was interesting but the smartphone thing definitely needed to be addressed because whether rumors or just you know a variety of articles um on like ma- in mainstream publications too i think like time had an article and maybe um i know some other like like well-known newspapers uh, had articles about Nintendo needing to go uh, go the mobile market. Um, so that was interesting. Chris Kohler actually had a really good article kind of uh, denouncing that and talking about why that's a bad idea. Uh, yeah, I read that. It was a good article. Yeah, everyone should track that down and read it. Um, but so what we did get, apart from shutting down these kind of rumors, um, was to talk about the future for, for Nintendo and for the, the Wii U specifically. Um, the first thing, um, I guess... 
maybe much to the uh, disappointment of people online and on Twitter, uh, the gamepad is not going anywhere anytime soon. There won't be a radical Wii U redesign like the 2DS uh, that ditches the gamepad. Um, and in fact, they said that the, to get the Wii U back on track, there needs to be a better emphasis on the gamepad, and there need to be games that really utilize it. What? Um, what? What did you guys? What did you guys think about that? Well, I think that even though uh, the Achilles heel of the Wii U and its greatest strength is the gamepad simultaneously, but I also think there's no way they can get rid of the gamepad because once you get rid of that. It's really just the next GameCube, and it's fine, the GameCube was a great console and all, but it has no personality without the gamepad. Mm-hmm. And if you give that up, maybe it'll have a short burst of sales, but it's not going to give the Wii U any kind of legacy. If anything, it destroys any chance of it having a proper legacy. Well, yeah, because then at that point you're basically like, well, here's a, a system that's on the equivalent of a 360 or a PS3 um, and that's it. You know, like it has, like you said, it has no hook. Um, it has nothing that makes it unique. So at that point, it's just old technology. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that doesn't really work. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting to see that great idea that really proves the gamepad's worth apart from like off TV play. Um, which of course is great. Um, but, but in terms of gameplay, I don't think we've really seen anything yet. Like we've had hints, games like Zombie U. I think do good do good things with it. Obviously, Wind Waker is great. Just being able to to manage all your inventory down on the screen without pulling up an extra menu and slowing the game down. But that's that's not like a game changer, really. You know? Yeah, they were promising Mario Kart as a uh, as a big gamepad game, which I I didn't feel any three. Why was the case. would it be it? That's so stupid. Well, wasn't the gamepad touching the touchscreen? It was just supposed to honk the horn? Like, yeah. Wasn't that the initial... It's going to show a, a map of the course. That's it. Yeah, and it, it honks the horn. So it's like, well, unless they're going to like rapidly uh, change that between now and May, because uh, they did announce Mario Kart's coming out in May. I can see them uh, putting like gyroscope controls on it, too. It'll be mm-hmm. a Wii wheel. Yeah. That would be a big Wii wheel. A big Wii wheel, though. It would. Somebody, somebody will... will you know, develop a a giant frame, wheel shaped frame <laughs> that you can set the entire gamepad in. Like the, it'll be as big as a steering wheel for like a semi truck. That's right. <laughs> It'll be huge. Um. So yeah, but we did get the the Mario Kart uh, confirmation that is coming out in May uh, globally. I don't think it's hitting the same day everywhere, but I think within a week, I think it releases everywhere. I bet they're um, I bet they're rushing it out. Because uh, we haven't heard we haven't heard anything about it since that initial reveal, and all of a sudden it's coming out in May. Yeah, so I'm sure there'll be a direct eventually talking more about that. But I, I don't know how that game can really util- utilize the gamepad um, in any way, you know, like unique. I just think um, it's funny that all of a sudden what is like maybe we should use this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I could say like I, all I see that you could really do with it is like if you look down in it, it's like your rear view mirror, so you can see people coming up behind you. I can uh, see that. Yeah, that might be neat. But see that's, a blue shell, and maybe they'll have an item that disrupts the blue shell, blocks it or something. Yeah, it'd be pretty handy with like dropping banana peels and stuff behind you um, to hit your enemies or throw shells backwards. So the thing is, though, the uh, the Wii U does have one other feature that we seem to be. Uh, sliding over a little and that is the nfc the near field communication and i have a quote on that that was by miyamoto himself that i thought was interesting 
He said, With NFC, that's a feature that everyone who owns a Wii U can take advantage of. So that's what we're putting our priorities on right now. We're hoping that in the near future we'll be able to show you something that will take advantage of the NFC on Wii U and people will be able to enjoy that. Two things you need to consider off this quote immediately. Something is singular. Something means that they have something in mind, or that's the way I interpret it. The other thing is the we're, and that's that's what we're putting our priorities in right now. Now that could be Nintendo. But it could also mean Miyamoto and whatever me, whatever team Miyamoto is working with and whatever game Miyamoto is working on as that next big IP everyone's talking about. So maybe Miyamoto's comeback game could be uh, this NFC something that he's mentioning in this quote. Did that Pokemon Rumble game, did that use the NFC? Yeah, yep, with the figures. Okay. Like, which you did not actually need to buy. Right. It it did work without the figures, but it's the game had bigger problems than that. Because I, like I being would... Pokemon Rumble, that's a pretty big problem. Because <laughs> I would be surprised if they're not thinking something on the scale of Disney Infinity or uh, Skylanders, um, with, with the NFC. I mean, there's other things you can do with it, but same thing. Like they seem more quirky and like small gameplay elements. But I think building an entire game around these collectible figurines. Uh, well, it's proven profitable, and so far we haven't had, like, the, the I don't know, like, the bottom falling out from that. You know, like, we haven't had that, that point, like, where Rock Band and Guitar Hero just crashed. Right. <laughs> like, I think we're, I think we're probably heading there. I think in a few years, uh, there will be lots of closets full of just useless action figures, basically. Uh, oh, yeah. Because no one's playing these games anymore, but, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that they follow that trend or not. I was um, thinking about the NFC a little bit before we started recording, and... The thing about NFC is, at its absolute most basic level, it involves the gamepad touching another object that is not the gamepad. So on some level, any game that you get with NFC capabilities has to have compatibility with compatibility with some line of figures, with some maybe type of card, with something that is NFC. And I wonder what the potential of that is, because we know there's Skylanders, and we know there's Disney Infinity, which has the same core idea. But I, I just wonder what the uh, what the capabilities are of this. Because with a controller, you can have Mario, you can have Grand Theft Auto, you can have something like Octodad. The potential is pretty much limitless. But with NFC, as far as we know, it can really only do one or two things really, really well. I, yeah. I know what it's going to be. What? They're going to... They're going to bring back the e-reader. It's no way. It's going to be an e-reader. It's the u-reader. <laughs> the u-reader, exactly. We'll finally be able to use all those 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 e-reader cards we bought 10 years ago and play Mario 3 with Mario 2 <laughs> items. Yeah. yeah. Drop that the mic, was... walk away. <laughs> that shit was crazy that they were doing on the e-reader. There was some fascinating stuff they were doing with like Mario 3 and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. One thing that came to mind for me was something like uh, like the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, exactly. Like that, where you're buying cards. And, and yeah, I mean, something like that would be neat. That's actually where I stopped playing. Oh, really? Yeah, because I didn't want to have to buy an accessory to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, something like that. But you're right. I mean, you're right, Alex. I mean, there's nothing you can do with this that doesn't involve buying another item and putting it against your Wii U to put some sort of data or, you know, uh, just something into a, an already existing game. So how do they use this and how do they really uh, capitalize on this to make it a, uh, 
like a, a feature that is demanded and makes non-Wii U owners go, I've got to get one of those things. And right. I don't know. I mean, short of making Skylanders with all their, you know, franchises or, 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 or a better Pokemon game that, that uses it, um, you know, better than Pokemon Rumble did. Or maybe yep. an exclusive Skylanders game. I don't know about I that. I don't see I that think happening. Skylanders is worth too much. Yeah. For one platform, regardless of what company is behind it. Well, especially if it's the, <laughs> the, the least, least popular. <laughs> no, that that wasn't an intentional shot. We're just trying to be <laughs> oh, really realistic here. Uh, just w- with the NFC, though, you got to consider, even though we might be a little down on it, maybe it really can only do one or two things really, really well, this is also Nintendo we're talking about. So if anyone can come up with a third way to utilize NFC in a crazy way, it is Nintendo, probably. I would at least hope so. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And Iwata said we're supposed to see stuff at E3 um, that utilizes the NFC. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, sure. I think that is promising. It, it is probably one of the only Wii U features to this point um, that we know exists but hasn't really been used outside of just Pokemon Rumble. So I don't know, but it is interesting. Um Another thing that came out of uh, of uh, this conference meeting, if you will, um, was DS games hitting the Wii U. And there was a lot of debate about this, about whether this is a great idea or a completely idiotic, because why not just bring digital DS games to 3DS? How do you guys feel about this? That doesn't make any sense at all. It makes a little sense. It makes a little sense that it's coming to the Wii U at all, because it does have the two screens. I think it's a little silly that they're not putting it on 3DS, because in my imagination, yeah, maybe that is the easier platform to put it on. Andy suggested there must be having emulation issues, and I have to agree. That's the only reason that they well, wouldn't Well, why? Be... I mean, the, the, the 3DS plays DS games. Well, why wouldn't... Play, so... Exactly, so why so wouldn't I don't you... So I don't even think that would be emulation. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like when you put a a Wii game in your Wii U, it's not emulating it. I mean, there's That's like literally true, yeah. a Wii built into your Wii U. Yeah. So you would think there wouldn't be emulation. You would think you would just download the, you know, the the file and it would it would be able to play it. It's and got there, all the hardware in it. And so. their mock-up of how you'll play DS on the Wii U and the, where the screen's divided into two side by side, it's just not intuitive at all. It's stupid looking. I think it works for some games. I think some games like Pokemon, where you don't need the touchscreen that much, or some where you're focusing entirely on the touchscreen, I think the gamepad is uh, built perfectly. I do wonder how things like The World Ends With You, how that requires a lot of attention on both screens at the same time. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that'll work out. Maybe it's even better on the Wii U because it provides a better challenge. But there's a part of me thinking that no matter what happens, The World Ends With You isn't going to be on the DS Virtual Console anyways. No, no. Or, you know, games like um, Yoshi's Island DS where the you were moving from the bottom screen <laughs> yeah. to the top screen. Yeah, I mean, how that. how is that going to work? I mean, you're trying to shoot an egg at the enemy that's on the top screen. I mean, well, it's not going <laughs> to because they're not going to change the game at all. It'll just right, not no. get released. Exactly. So, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how many DS games we'll see. I mean, so far we have no... Game Boy Advance Game Boy Advance games. games right. Or, or, or 3DS for that matter. So, I mean, officially anyway. I mean, there's, you know, the Ambassador games. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, what does get released? Is it just gonna be like New Super Mario Brothers and Brain Age and just these like few really popular DS games? I mean, how far back in the catalog are we really gonna go? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at what they're doing with Virtual Console now, 
it's very rare that we get a third-party game on Virtual Console that isn't by Capcom. Very, so Very rare that um, we get a game on Virtual Console? <laughs> right. So I don't really have any high hopes that we're going to see, um, you know, like kind of smaller DS games um, or harder to find, you know, more rare DS games. Like, I don't think we're getting Hotel Dusk uh, on the Wii U DS Virtual Console no. um, and games like that. So I don't know. It's It's peculiar, but... I, I can see how it works for most games, and I, I don't have a problem with it. And as far as not bringing it to 3DS, I mean, the 3DS can already play DS games. I mean, you can buy DS carts and play them on your 3DS. And I know it's not as convenient as, as downloading them. And well, it's just, such a, it's, it's just but, such a strange thing to not do it. Right. To not announce that we're bringing it to both. Yeah. I mean, we would be having an entire conversation entirely different conversation if they're like yeah we're bringing uh digital ds games to the 3ds virtual console and the wii u virtual console we'd be like well this is great because yeah. you expect it to come to 3ds but how cool that they're going to try to do it with wii u as much right. as they can um but yeah now it just seems really limited <laughs> in a weird way it's just um, kind of weird yeah the the only way i can really look at this is as harmless like it won't hurt the wii u at all by existing but I don't think anyone is going to buy a Wii U for the sake of the DS Virtual Console. Yeah. To me, it, it strikes me as another effort to try to bring uh, games that the more like sort of blue ocean crowd knows about to Wii U. Like I think about the re-release of Wii Sports on Wii U, and that's me. And Wii Fit U now at this point. And both of those feel like efforts to try to draw that Wii crowd back to Wii U. Yeah. And I think that's what you're going to get with these DS games. That's why I don't think you're going to get really rare, hardcore stuff. Like, I think it's going to be these titles that people were playing on their DS because the DS was huge. I mean, a lot of people who uh, don't typically play games had a DS. My mom has one for Brain Age. There you go. See, that's exactly what I'm saying. Games like Brain Age um, seem like a perfect fit for it. So that's um, that's what I think it's being used for. So yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It is. Uh, we shall see. Okay, so what else was there? I know there was one other big thing I wanted to talk about, I thought. Maybe not. Maybe we covered... Wasn't there that thing about discounts? That discount thing, it's weird. Yeah, nothing concrete, right? Just kind of the idea that they yeah, were they might to look do into rewarding people who, who were kind of frequent customers. I thought it was um, funny that their stat was like, well, we found that most people only play two to two or three games a year. And yeah. I thought, what? Who, who are you interviewing? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who those people are. I mean, maybe from, like, the months of January to September this year for the Wii U, just because there yeah. are probably two or three games out. Um, but, no, that, that can't be true. Yeah. Quality of life, we didn't talk about either. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't really know much about that. That's so weird. That is so, it seems so like weird. entire other market that they're uh, they're going after with these um, sort of, like, what do they call them, like, wearable? Non-wearables. Um, Oh, non-wearables. Which makes no sense to me. Right, so what What would that be? Uh, Are you only going to make a treadmill? I don't get it. Yeah, it'll be interesting, interesting to see where that goes. Uh, well, Apple was talking about some patent or something where your iPhone would double as, I don't know if I'd call it the vitality sensor, but something like that where it would be health monitoring you. Yeah. As well as doing all that other iPhone. Oh, they have stuff. they have stuff like that. They have little machines that you put on your wrist and they track everything about you, and then you right. upload the information right. to your computer or your iPhone. And you could you could see that as just an extension of WeFitU. I mean, even the 
the Wii Fit like sensor now that they have seems yeah. like a step toward that. Um, but the way they were talking about it, it seems separate from from games. You know, like it yeah. didn't. And they didn't specifically tie it to like the next Wii Fit, so it kind of makes you wonder, well, what is this, and is it going to be something that involves your Wii U or your 3DS or or what? You know, it's it's very bizarre. I'm sure they'll have something about it at E3. Oh yeah, I would hope so. Um, I remember what the other big thing I want to talk about was, and that was Iwata mentioned um, wanting to take more opportunities of licensing licensing out Nintendo. Uh, characters. Oh yeah, yeah. And IPs, and that's that's fascinating to me. Well, I just saw um, a commercial on TV the other day for a, a Mario themed SpaghettiO that really? I'm gonna go buy now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean we've seen some of this already. I mean Other M um, was not done internally by Nintendo, and now we've got the Zelda Hyrule, uh, well, Hyrule Warriors, and. Um, so we've got games like that, so this isn't unprecedented, um, but it's kind of interesting that maybe they're going to keep moving in this this direction. Um, the big thing for me would be seeing like a Mario game get in the hands of someone else. Not that I've got a problem with not that I've got a problem with like where Mario's at now, um, but it would it would just be interesting to see. I mean, you say you say it'll never you say it'll never happen, but I mean, Sega's in charge of all the like Mario and Sonic games. I know it's not the same thing. Mm, that's um, true, yeah. But you know, they they have started to do that a little bit more. The uh, the smart thing about all this is that Nintendo only has so many employees and so much ability to create a certain number of games each year. Yeah. If they do license some of this stuff out to trusted third parties developing exclusive games to Wii U. That means more games to the consumer, to people true, like us. True. Right. If they've if they've kind of accepted at this point that first party is going to be the big and maybe the only draw to the Wii U, then you need to get more first party stuff out there. And right. the only way you're going to do that is by bringing in yeah other developers and other studios. Um, so it's yeah, po- I think it's, it's possible smart. this may free them up to well, not Nintendo. It may may allow you know forgotten franchises to come back, F Zero and Star Fox. If Nintendo themselves isn't handling it, you know, if they give it out to, if, if, I don't know, somebody says, hey, we want to make a Star Fox, and, and Nintendo could say okay now, because they're not having to make it. Right. And that seems like that's where you would see it go. I mean, like, like you said, yeah, probably not a, a full-fledged Mario from someone anytime soon, but these other franchises that Nintendo, uh, either doesn't have time or just doesn't think it's worth the time to work with, uh, yeah, I give those other people. Star Fox and F-Zero, I think, are the, the perfect example of that. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's that what Sly 4 was, basically. They they gave they basically gave Sly Cooper to another studio other than who was making it before. Oh, yeah. And it turned out pretty good by most accounts. And yeah. I, yeah. I bet that's what they do with Star Fox and F-Zero, because it's a much lower risk to justify giving that the green light as long as you've got a good studio. Well, even the last Star Fox game on GameCube, wasn't that by Namco? Uh, yes. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. And then now with Smash Brothers is being co-developed by Namco. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there is some precedent for this. Um, but I think it's good that they're being open about it and kind of welcoming more of it. Did you guys, um, did you guys see that creepy-ass uh, Sly Cooper movie trailer? Oh, nope. God, yeah. That wow, was that weird as hell. It looks so strange. <laughs> um, yeah, look that up, Alex, especially if you've played the Sly Cooper games. It looks kind of bizarre. I just don't um, know who thinks the Sly Cooper story is such a masterpiece that it needs <laughs> a movie surrounding a movie. it. Like, I've always thought the Sly Cooper story part 
was keeping me away from those games. Mm, yeah. Like, it's it's a level below Saturday morning cartoons. It's it's on, like, <laughs> Sonic Lost World level. <laughs> oh, God. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's the idea. It's strictly targeted at kids, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, um, doesn't look like it is. I'd, if I was an eight-year-old watching that, I'd have nightmares. <laughs> Um, one other thing, and then we'll, we'll move on to listener mail, but, and this is a small thing, but they announced that, like, quick boot menu that will be available on the gamepad. Oh, yeah. Did you I, see yeah, that? That's something. The Wii so U like, saved. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, a, that, that was a weird thing for him to, like, focus on. Like, he spent time on that. Like, yeah. it still takes too long for the Wii U to boot up, so we're just gonna let you play it on the gamepad quickly. Yeah, okay. so you can you can like access uh you know games and stuff on your Wii U through the gamepad without having to like do the complete boot up and then you if you you know pick a game then the Wii U will boot up and take you straight to the game. I mean, it's cool. It's just kind of a weird thing to like see as a problem. You have so many other things you could focus on right now, but right. let's focus on this. Right. I mean, I guess load times have been a complaint, so maybe it's good to address that they're aware of it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It, it did feel kind of weird. I'll probably use it. Well, sure. Yeah, why not? Um, but yeah, pretty weird. Oh, and I think we also, what was it, confirmed that Smash Brothers is coming this year, correct? Oh, really? Yeah, but we knew that in some capacity. No. Well, we didn't know for sure. I mean, we, we really didn't. So yeah, they said Smash Brothers for both 3DS and Wii U, I believe, uh, are coming this year. Wow. So I missed that somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So that is uh that is exciting. That's one good way to uh probably spur up some console sales, I think. So, alright. I think let's move on to some listener mail, if that's good with you guys. I'm fine good. with that. Good. And we have plenty of it. Um let me see. I will start from the bottom of our list here. Um I guess this one the first half of it we've kind of already talked about. This is from Marcus. Uh, I says, Do you think that F Zero or Star Fox will see a new release this generation? Um, like we talked about, well, yeah, if they're Probably. willing to work with other studios and developers, then yeah. <laughs> sure. It doesn't sound like something Nintendo themselves want to really get involved with, but, um, I mean, this is the perfect stuff you would hand over to someone else, because there's not really much, like, liability there. Yeah. Um, or risk, so, let it go. Uh, and do we think Nintendo will put voice chat in Mario Kart 8 or Super Smash Bros. 4? I would hope they put it in Mario Kart. Yeah, I would like it. <laughs> I don't think they'll put it in either. Oh no! I, I don't see it. I mean, if if they'll put it in any game, I guess these two are the ones. But I feel like if there was voice chat, we'd probably know about it by now. I feel like that's something worth selling the game on a little. Yeah, but keep in mind we we barely know anything about it at all. Yeah, Smash Brothers is is far enough out that I think that's something that could still reveal later. Mario Kart 8, yeah, I mean, now that it's coming in May, we know a fair deal about it, I guess. But, I mean, that's still something that, that they could talk about later. Because I, I don't know that they've really focused at all on the online uh, no. modes in Mario Kart 8. So they even haven't talked about online at all. So it, it could still come. There were those Miiverse videos they were talking about where, like, you can save videos and post them in Miiverse or something like that in Mario yeah, Kart. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, So I don't know. But I think if there is voice chat, it'll probably be like, Restricted to only being able to talk with people on your friends list or something oh, yeah. like that. Yep. Um, I don't know that you'll be racing in Mario Kart 8 with, like, what, 12 people and just be talking shit to kids or something. <laughs> um, they probably won't let you do that. So, um, Our next two, qu- actually two or three questions, I guess, are from Leandro. Leandro? 
hope I'm saying that right. Um, he's got a few here. This first one, would you like to see Kremlings back in Donkey Kong Country? Yes. In DK Coins? What else would you like to have again? And in parentheses, he put K rules. I think he'd like to see K rule again. Yeah, I miss the Kremlings. Um, I don't understand why people don't like Kremlings. I don't get it either. I mean, I always enjoyed them. I didn't think they were, like, overplayed or anything. I'd be perfectly happy if, the, if those were the villains and K. Rool was the villain in the uh, the new Donkey Kong Country games. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird to me that they aren't there. It is. I, I guess we're uh, we're living a little bit by Mario standards of Bowser being the bad guy every time and Mario being the hero. But in my perfect world, the villains, in some capacity would change very frequently. Like, I, I don't like this Nintendo standby thing of always bringing back the same villains. Like, it doesn't even have to be war. What if you found another reptile-type thing to be the final boss in 3D Land? It's but not I, that hard. But, I mean, yeah. look, K. Rule always changed jobs. Yeah, I guess that's true. In each game, he was, like, a little different, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he the uh, the antagonist of all three of the original Donkey Kong Country games? Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, in yeah. one form or another, yeah. First, he was a king. And then he was a pirate, and then he was yeah. an evil doctor. Yeah, and then he was in Donkey Kong 64 as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's a good thing that there are a couple games without him, that they're trying new uh, villain stuff. Though I wouldn't say the uh, the answer to the villains in the previous Donkey Kong Country games were well were well met with... Uh, <laughs> Oh, you mean the Tiki the statue things? Stupid. Yeah, that wasn't that was stupid. Great. I love Donkey Kong Country Returns, but I <laughs> barely too. remember those villains. Well, last week we did a segment with Don about Donkey Kong Country, uh, what Tropical Freeze, and he said that the villains in this game are much better than the the Tiki statues, the Walrus so Pirates. Yeah, so I guess it's a step it's a step forward. So, and I guess at this point, if you stay away from K. Roll for enough time, then you can have him in like a future one, and it'll be a big deal. So, yeah, yeah. that's true. I guess there's that. Um, this is kind of an insider question. Um, yeah. Huge, yeah. For um, for gaming sites like you guys, Nintendo and other publishers send games digital codes for you, right? Uh, and then he asked if they send us one more. Uh, they send us more than one per game. Uh-huh. And he said, generally that, no. Right. He said, in the case that they send these codes or games to you, do you feel comfortable to say bad things about the gift you got? I sure do. Um, yeah, we do receive games or download codes. Uh, download codes are very prevalent now. Yeah, uh, which it's, is, which especially is nice. over the last two years it's been going that yeah, way. Yeah, it, it's probably not as big a deal for bigger publications or websites where everyone works in the same building, but the codes are much better for us because the games, the hard you know copy games, will get sent to Neil, and then he has to send them to us. Yeah. So uh, in like the two days it takes to get to Neil and then two more days to get to us, we're talking you know almost you know more than half a week now. Um, Longer if it's for me. If, well, yeah, up in Alaska, and I could set you back quite a bit if you're, you know, trying to make uh, like an embargo lift and put your review up at the same time everyone else is. And that's actually come up a few times where uh, sending the game to different places has has really shoved up against the embargo. Yep, absolutely. Um, so the digital codes are much nicer, but yeah, we do get those from, um, you know, straight from Nintendo or straight from, you know, whoever's publishing the game. Um, typically it is just one. There have been a few instances where we've gotten more than one. Uh, depends on the game. Yeah. And then um, th- there's one publisher that we won't bring up who does occasionally like to give us a few. And that has been proven to be fairly useful in the past. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know specifically which publisher you're talking about, but I will say specifically, uh, we, I know with Shin Megami Tensei 4, 
Oh, we got well, there you go. I we got it. We got <laughs> it. Is, is where you're talking about Atlas? I was talking about Atlas. Okay. Um, I know we at least got two, if not three. So I know Neil was playing it. Who, re- who reviewed it? It was Neil, Baker, and I think Guillaume got one for RFN. Yeah, yeah. So all three of them are playing it, which is great <laughs> if, we, if we can get that, because then you can get a group of guys to talk about it on the podcast and stuff like that. Um, you know, when we get one, like uh, the segments we do with Don, um, we get to kind of do like an interview style thing. But if we all have been playing the game, it, it's kind of a much better conversation. Um, so yeah, so so those are the perks of, uh, <laughs> I guess, of reviewing games and, and and writing for sites. There's one there's one more thing I was kind of want to call attention to here that bugged me a little. It was the third part of his question. And in the case that they send, do you feel comfortable to say bad things about well, yeah. the gift you got? That, the only that's correction I want to yeah. make is that uh, reviews are a two-way street. It's not one person's doing a favor and one person's doing a favor. There's no obligations to be nice or to be good. I mean, you're courteous Dude, and you it's thank work. you. Well, it's work. It's they get something done. They're doing work by sending you the code. You're doing work by writing the review. I mean, that, right? That, absolutely. That's how it is. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You don't ever really think of it as a gift. I mean, if if you get if you're reviewing a game that you're already looking forward to, like that's that's nice. But you still have to then dedicate yourself to playing the game and beating it in a certain amount of time, and then writing your review, editing your review, uh, doing however many revisions you need to do, and then getting it up. Yeah. Um. So it's not like we're just getting free games and then we just get to have you know fun. And the sometimes the game is shitty. Right. Yeah. No joke. Right now I'm I'm playing Unepic and I like it, but I'm like beating my head against the wall trying to trying to hurry up and get through that so I can review it. So it's not always like. Fun. I mean, I've, I've stayed up every night this week till like 1 a.m. trying to just get through that game so I can get this review done. Um, so yeah, it's not like it's not like it's this is magical, uh, always wonderful thing. For every Resident Evil Revelations, there are ten homie rollers. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So no, you can't ever feel bad about criticizing these games. Um, I, and I don't think. Well, no, I guess Zach, you've had instances. What didn't you review a um, was it a Call of Duty like DS game? God, didn't... oh my God, yeah, I, I reviewed Call of Duty uh, uh, Black Ops One, I think, uh, mm-hmm. for the DS, and it was so terrible. And I don't know how much we can say, but but I can't. My review was factually accurate. The publisher freaked out. Not the publisher, the developer. The developer freaked out, and I'm not reviewing their games anymore. Uh, I don't know how much more I can say beyond that. Um, no, that's fine. But the review that, that... was shit, and John Lindemann <laughs> also played it and confirmed that it was shit. Right. And, uh, so, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that it's very rare. Yeah, exactly. That's not that's not a common occurrence. Yeah, that's that's um, the only. I've been with the site for what seven years, maybe eight, and uh, that's the only time that kind of kind of behind the scenes political stuff has gone on. And it wasn't the publisher; it was someone on the development side who probably True. wasn't trained in PR. Right. Exactly. Trained in yeah. Dick, so dick. For the most <laughs> part, yeah. Usually the usually the PR is kind of the uh, the medium between the the two sides, and so you, normally you don't really interact that much, like yeah, with the development team. So. Uh, whether they think your criticism is fair or not, they usually don't have the ability to kind of voice that to you. I mean, it's supposed to be separate, uh, exactly, so there isn't any bias. 
Um, so yeah, th- those things don't happen a lot. And even though, you know, we had that happen, it's not get changed Zach's review. No. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's still there and his, his opinion still stands. So. You should read it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go dig it up. Have some fun. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's not hard criticizing these things. Um, you have to do what you have to do. So, um, yeah. So let's move on to the next one. Um, you know, I'm actually going to jump up to a different one that kind of ties into what we were just talking about since we're here. We might as well kind of keep it on the same subject. Um, we've got two questions from um, Admin, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, Adman. His, his Adman, Admin. So his first one here, he says, I started a gaming podcast about a year ago with friends, but they all lost interest. It was called Kill the Red Guys, after the genre of the Dynasty Warriors and the like, where you slaughter the guys with the red health bars. I wanted to start a blog and get a brand going, but it's very hard to do alone. How does one get to write for a site like Nintendo World Report? Um, and then he also went on to kind of ask like about joining uh, specifically Nintendo World Report and, and our podcast and stuff. Um, so, in general terms, how to write for a site like Nintendo World Report is just to keep practicing. I mean, especially get started on your own blog um, or your own podcast. And sites like Nintendo World Report and kind of other smaller independent sites We'll look for staff writers a lot because, I mean, we don't get paid here at Nintendo World Report. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people think we do. We yeah, don't. And that this would be, is all that would voluntary. Be great. It would be great. <laughs> if, you get, if, you, if you guys want to PayPal some money to us, I mean, by all <laughs> means. Um, but, yeah, we don't. I mean, this is all volunteer. No one here makes any money. So you do it for a couple reasons. You do it because you just, you know, you like uh, being able to have these conversations both in written form and here in the podcast. Um, you like the chance to get to play games a little early and review them. Um, and the, you know, there's opportunities we get with Nintendo World Report, even though we are paid. I mean, we get to go to PAX East as media, E3. Uh, if not, yeah, yeah, E3, things like that. Um, so there's reasons to do it. Plus it's just good experience. Um, and then, you know, maybe you can build that into eventually writing for other sites where you do get paid. Yeah. Um, I know a, f- a few people here have done that. Neil and, and Neil and I currently do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, but. To me, the big thing is to just, like, write as much as you can now, even if it is your own personal blog, and then just keep an eye on smaller independent sites who, who frequently look for staffers because people just eventually leave, you know? Their schedules change. Um, they, maybe they graduate school. Maybe they get start a family, things like that. And since we are paid, eventually you just you kind of move on. Right. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with just write every single day or write every single week or review a blog or something. Just stay active and keep getting better at writing. If you send in an application to a place like Nintendo World Report, and including Nintendo World Report, because this was the case specifically with me, I had a a couple blogs, no one cares how many page views you get. What someone like Neil or any of us at management care about is how good of a writer you are and how dedicated you are and how consistent you are. And you know what? I don't know if this is still the case, but there are places like Nintendo World Report and including Nintendo World Report where if you're already like that, uh, we'll look at your application in some capacity. I mean, I, I know there's always a uh, uh, job inquiries thing at the bottom of the site. Yeah. I, I don't think that's too uh, presumptuous of me to make. I mean, there's no guarantees, but if you're passionate and you're already doing it, send applications to places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's always a need. I mean, I know here specifically right now if anyone 
you know, want, wants to really pursue this, uh, news writers here in Nintendo Report would be a big oh, thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, for a while we had a lot of really dedicated people doing news every day, um, but they get busy. School and stuff yeah, gets in the way. They burn out. Um, so that's something we're definitely lacking right now. So if you feel comfortable writing news, or if you're just a good writer, even if you haven't really written a lot of news stories, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you can kind of get trained on. I mean, look at our own Zach Kaplan. I mean, he came in, 15 years old. I mean, I don't think he'd written much news, but he came in and he was dedicated. And I mean, he's, he's gotten a lot better. He's worked um, his yeah. ass off. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he, he was like our news guy for the longest time. I think he's just been kind of busy with school. I mean, God, he's what, probably a junior in high school. So he is busy. I mean, that is a, that is a busy time. So, um, yeah, by all means, I mean, feel free to apply and just look around and, and just apply places like, like Nintendo report that kind of same level. Um, where it, it necess- might not be for pay, but it, it just opens up, um, opens you up to bigger opportunities that you can then build on and maybe move to something that gets, that gets you paid. Um, so yeah, Zach, how did, how did you get Nintendo World Report? Oh, um, I've told, maybe I haven't told this story. Uh, so way back in the day, I used to be kind of a big deal on the Game Informer forums. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I wrote a lot of reviews. Um, that's how I got good at writing, is I wrote my own re- reader reviews. And me and uh, Mr. Carl Castaneda actually developed quite a friendship over there. Uh, he must have been, God, he's only 25 now, so he must have been 15 or, or 14. But <laughs> but we developed real rapport, and we'd edit each other's stuff and read each other's stuff and comment on it. And eventually he left the forums I think he actually joined NWR, probably around the same age Zach Kaplan is. Yeah, we had this debate on Twitter before. He joined like the week before his 16th birthday, oh, so Jesus. Zach is still the youngest ever. But yeah, but Carl came in too when he was 15. Yeah, yeah. and uh, after a few, I don't know how long he was there before he emailed me and said, you should check this out. So I sent in a resume. This was back before Neil was director, before John was director. Um, I forget, I can't believe, I for, oh, Steven Rodriguez was our uh, director um, on the forums. He's, his name's Windy Man or Windy Man Wins. And uh, uh, he hired me and I started, um, I don't know, I, I started doing news, but I'm really bad at news because I, you, you guys probably know, I, I can't not editorialize. I was just going to say, yeah, I'm kind of the same way with news. Yeah, I, so my news stories would get, you know, redlined all over the place, and <laughs> it probably took more effort to edit than to actually somebody else to write it. Uh, so I actually started uh, reviewing. I was like a reviewer. That's all I did, and my first review was a Drake and Josh game oh, for God. DS. It wasn't actually wasn't bad. Oh, and, really? And I think my second review, I'm not kidding, was uh, – uh, phantom hourglass because the guy who was go the guy who was going to review it had to couldn't do it so they sent it to me and i gave it a 7.5 and the legend of zach miller uh started right there right it was born and now i'm now i'm after seven or eight years i'm i'm barely on the site anymore but um i can't leave i love all you guys oh Plus, I feel, I feel like I feel like everyone Not you, as, they get, uh, <laughs> as they get a little older and can't get am- involved as much, there's still always that presence. Um, yeah, which is nice. I mean, you've got a lot of people who stick around and, and, and get involved in some way when they can. Um, Alex, what about you? You just had your own personal blog. Is that how it started for you? And then you just applied for something here. I've been writing in some capacity for probably about five years before uh, 
Nintendo World Report, at which point, That's awesome. when I really started, I was like 12, writing for FreeWeb's <laughs> website, and sure. Cheap-Ass Gamer <laughs> blogs, and the blog spotter too. I, I was that guy, I was just, I kept outputting shit for a long time. And at a certain point, I wanted to start writing for websites, so I was listening to RFN for the time at the time, and I thought Nintendo World Report, you know, this job inquiry's a little old, but maybe I should send in an application. And then I sent one one in with this huge body of not great, not rough, but I would say with potential work. Then I sent it, and there was there's the whole vetting process that has to happen before you actually get on staff. Uh, that I believe is called the Gauntlet. Use your own imagination. <laughs> yeah. And then you, I got on staff, and I was the guy who was writing news at first. I was writing it every single day, uh, and as I was at the site, I was learning day in and day out how much opportunity this site gives you. I mean, there are review copies. I got to review as one of my first review copies Xenoblade Chronicles because, like Zach, the stars aligned, and I happened <laughs> to be the first one to get a hold of it. Well, and I think a perk for you too was, was, was you were in high school, so it was kind of it was the thing where it was like, well, Alex has the time where he can probably blow through this eighty-hour game in like a week and a half and get the review up, whereas like everyone with jobs and families is like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, no, that that's that's how I built my body of work on NWR at first. I mean, I was seventeen. I'm nineteen now. It's been about two years, uh, and not only does it give you review copies, but there are events like PAX East and E3. And there are things like podcasts that, like, once you discover how good connectivity is to anyone who's ever wanted to get into podcasting, like, you'll never leave. (laughs) That's how this show works. Uh, And I can't recommend this site enough. Like, once you get in, once you start writing news, once you get on site, and, like, once you realize how good the people are to you and how many opportunities something like this like, how many opportunities there are open to you, you'll never want to leave. I tried quitting, like, twice, and I still <laughs> haven't been able to. You know, I will, I will say one thing. I will say one thing, though. I don't know if it's hit you yet, Alex, because you're two years in. But um, for me, once I started to see kind of how the sausage is made uh, in the industry, it kind of makes you a little jaded, a little cynical. Um, maybe it's just me. I mean, I've always been cynical, but... But you go to E3. I've I've been to E3 twice, but you you know you help cover every E3 every year, and and uh, it's just always a little bit, you know. Oh well, this industry I loved so much is just kind of a big PR machine. Well, yeah, and that kind of ties back to to that initial question about like being able to harshly criticize games we get, you know, and that the fact that they aren't gifts. I mean, at some point, this does become more of a job than like this, like dream you've always had of doing you know yeah exactly Um, exactly and you can still enjoy it there's still there's still fun things about it but it does eventually you know yeah that magic wears off a little bit and it it becomes a job a job for which we aren't paid (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so it isn't always um it isn't always easy but i think the magic still exists though depending on where you look for it because yes there are places that are pr machines in the industry there are publishers that are sketchy at best but there is also, for every sketchy publisher, there is a giant bomb. There is, I guess, not to kiss our own asses, a Nintendo World Report. People who do care about this game, these games, and people who, in spite of all the other shit in the industry, are trying to provide a good welcoming place for people to talk about video games. And it's, it's hard for me to get too cynical 
when there are places like that, when there's podcasting that exists. I mean, if you haven't listened to podcasts before, that is where the best stuff in the industry is. That is where regular people like you and me are talking about video games and making the non-cynical stuff happen most weeks. Right, well, that's where it's completely, like, unfiltered. I mean, that's where you get, yeah, like, the real raw stuff. Absolutely. Um, I guess, real quick, just to kind of talk about how I got in this. I mean, it's similar to you guys. I, I, I ran a, my own personal one-up blog for a long time over on oneup.com, which just finally had all its stuff stripped from the internet, which yeah. is very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have made copies of all that blog stuff. I didn't realize it was all going to go down so fast. I know, nobody, that's okay. yeah. It wasn't all that. It wasn't really great stuff. Um, <laughs> so then I started podcasting with people from one up. Um, I moved on to a, a smaller site called Crush Frag Destroy. Um, not on the level of Nintendo World Report, but we did get some review copies and it was my first instance of like really like, yeah, producing content for a site and, and podcasting and stuff. Um, so it was fun. And then, uh, Nintendo World Report was looking for a podcast editor and I decided to apply. And same as Alex, after like a grueling gauntlet where I was interviewed and, and tested and I had to, uh, edit a like 10 minute, um, episode of newscast that had already happened. Oh, yeah. I had to, like, re-edit it, uh, to like test my chops, I guess. Um, I got in. And so, yeah, I've been doing it. I've been here since 2011. So three years. Um, and I guess for me with kind of being able to move that on to freelancing a little bit, um, I was able to, you know, review games here. And when I reviewed Fire Emblem Awakening, um, Rich from IGN, Neil, Neil retweeted the review. And so Rich from IGN started following me. And then after a few months, he just messaged me one time and asked if I wanted to review a game from IGN. I said, yes, please. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and then that's just how that kind of built. And that's, that's how I'm still doing it now. So, you know, I didn't like actively seek out that next step. It just kind of came to me. And I, I won't say that that can happen for everyone, but just being in the position where you are constantly creating that kind of content that can, an example of it your, certainly your wouldn't work. have happened any other way exactly no impossible i mean if i had just like not worked anywhere and just believed that i was good enough but didn't have that sort of uh industry connection sample yeah to, to back me up there's no way it would have happened so that's why you just yeah you have to work even if it's your own personal blog i mean just start there and just keep going and it, it certainly isn't just luck i mean if you work hard enough and if you work consistent enough and if you make the effort to get exposure on your work somehow, those opportunities, like the Rich from IGN, will happen. It's it, it might not be immediate, it might take long, long months of nothing, but you will get some opportunity to take your stuff at a higher level if you keep working and you keep doing your best. Right. And even if you even if you don't, I mean that that's that's not like the end of the world. Like I would have been perfectly happy to just keep doing the podcast here at Nintendo World Report. You know, like right. my, my dream, like my, I don't know, my career goal isn't like video game journalist, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's not like what I'm necessarily working toward. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to it if something else arose, but that's like, that's not my end goal. So, you know, I was happy to be at the level I was at and get to like hang out with everyone at PAX East and, and host uh, panels at conventions where we're playing board games and produce a weekly podcast that, that at least some people enjoy. Um, so yeah, it's just getting where you're where you're comfortable and, and getting to where, what you want to do. So, dude, Pax East is going to be so great. I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. By the way, we've talked about it before, but Zach Miller is going to be at Pax East this year. So What's everybody up? listening has to go. Mm-hmm. Look here, Zach lives in Alaska and he's going. And I'm pretty sure he has to bring like 
He has to run like a hospital bed with him. Oh, I probably do, yeah. Maybe I'll be on a line by then. On another line. I'm on a line right now. Uh, so yeah, like like and Zach is going. So maybe no I'll, one maybe has I'll give away excuse. one of my figures in Nintendo Air. Oh jeez, listen to that. Yeah. That uh that is a that is an important prize. Half of half of our listeners are like, What? Yeah. Oh Zach you'll see. Little, yeah, girly figurines, yeah. So um so that's enough of that. So just just keep writing, keep working. Um, and if you want to write a Nintendo report, um, just go to the whole jobs thing and email us. And we're definitely looking for news writers. So there you go. Uh, let's go to Edmund's other question. He says, 3D has not been the big selling point of the 3DS. And Nintendo lost a lawsuit resulting in them paying a percentage of all 3DS sales to a patent holder. I believe this lawsuit helped Nintendo decide to release the 2DS, a device that doesn't use the patent. Do you guys think the next Nintendo handheld will be 2D, or will Nintendo work something out with the patent owner or develop yet another form of 3D? I think it'll be a diff. It, it'll get rid of the 3D. They're, they've they've already basically phased it out of their advertising. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. I I hope the 3D doesn't go away. Maybe it's too hopeful. But the 3D, I am one of the people who really, really loves the 3D on the 3DS and think it would be a shame if it goes away. You no are, I know. No one else does that, and no one else, like, wants to do it. And I think it's cool that in the realm of handhelds, which at best have always been uh, some control mechanism, a touchscreen eventually, and not much else, now 3D can add potential to other types of games, like 3D Land, like A Link Between Worlds. And if they give up on that so early after they already were the guys who did it, that'd just be a damn shame. Well, they gave up well, on the Virtual Boy pretty quick. <laughs> but the and I mean, is successful. Even like <laughs> even the Wii. I mean, the motion control is nowhere near as important on the Wii U as it was on the Wii. True. Um, so it's not like they haven't stepped away from innovative design before. Um, Heck, so, the gamepad's not all that critical for most Wii U games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so maybe the Wii U 2 uh, will not have a gamepad. Um, but no, I, I, I'm fine if they get rid of the 3D. I don't, I don't think it'll be in the next system. Um, it was, it was a huge selling point at first, but like Zach said, it's not really in the marketing anymore. Um, and it just seems like, yeah, you can do nice things with it. Link Between Worlds does look nice with the 3D. I mean, the depth, the depth is uh, intriguing, and it can make some games. Um, Kind of like a little more visually appealing than they might be otherwise, but it's not it's not a game breaker by any means. It's it's not an important feature to me. If they do, well, just if, if they do another system without the 3D, they better make the graphics a lot lot sharper, like even better than the Vita, in my opinion. Because yeah, I don't they think do, yeah. 3DS games look very good in 2D. I think a lot of them look pretty uh, smudgy when you don't have a colorful effect over it. Yeah, it definitely needs to have, the next iteration of the hardware needs to have a HD Vita-type screen for sure. Yeah. Oh, God, yes, please. Yeah. And, and like, uh, what's, I always forget the difference between the, the two types of touchscreen, but not the kind where Capacitive you have Capacitive and something else. Uh, resistive there you is go. what the 3DS has. Yeah, which is garbage. Yeah, Capacitive <laughs> is so much better. Um, and the gamepad too would be so much nicer with that, with a nice, beautiful screen. By the way, I think the gamepad's touch, like sensing, is shittier than the 3DS's. It's maybe it's just mine, but sometimes I really gotta stab at those icons. It might be that because the screen is bigger, and so maybe oh. it, it kind of loses some sensitivity in that. Maybe because it's spread out over a, a, a larger just like uh, just like boobs. surface. 
Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bring it back to Zach's world. Um, so let's jump to the next one. This is from Austin Clark, who I who listens to the podcast and, and who I'm Twitter friends now with through the podcast. It's Mr. Celestia, uh, right? No, no, that's someone yeah. else who also has a question we're getting to. But he lives uh, like in northwest Indiana where I live. Oh, um, cool. It's like a few towns over. So kind of a small world. Um, we didn't know each other before. So that's kind of funny. Uh, he says, after hearing your pleas for more email, blah, after hearing your pleas for more email, here I am writing in for the first time. Spoiler alert, this isn't a brain-busting question. I just wanted to know the origin story of how you guys really came to love Nintendo. What was the moment where you went from a normal snot-faced gamer to a Nintendo connoisseur who writes in podcasts weekly about the big end? Uh, thanks and keep up the great work. Um, what, what for you guys? What was, I mean, just growing up playing Nintendo games? Is there any, like, specific moment that made it where you just were in love with Nintendo? You go first, Zach. Uh, for me, it was, I didn't have a, no, that's not true. For me, it was getting a Game Boy for my eighth birthday and Mario Land. And then after that, I was like, there are other gaming systems. And then my friends had an NES and I played that for two years before I finally saved up allowance money to buy one. And I got the, you know, the triple pack with Super Mario and Duck Hunt and that Olympic <laughs> yeah, the whatever track the heck and field they, game. The track and field game, and you know, I just never looked back after that. And and I'd played Genesis games at my friends' houses, but we always went back to like Mario Kart and Mario World, and you know, Tetris Attack. We always went back to the Nintendo games. Um, yeah, just it, kind of growing up with it, and also just I like those games better. Yeah. I know, I know for me, um, I actually grew up originally as a Genesis kid. Um, my first console was a Sega Genesis, so I was all into Sonic and, and Columns <laughs> and all that good stuff. Um, and then around my, God, I guess my 10th birthday, I got a Super Nintendo. And by that point, it had been out for a while. So, like, my first games were Super Mario World, Super Metroid. Um, Earthbound probably came a little bit later. Eventually, Chrono Trigger. I mean, like, Cream of the yeah. Crop kind of stuff my, you know, super, I mean, my super nintendo was a donkey kong country bundle so it must have been a while after it came out oh yeah um yeah that would be a little while um so yeah and then i just i just kind of stuck by nintendo the rest of the time i don't know whether it was a a conscious choice or not i mean i, I went to n64 naturally where most people went even if they eventually shifted to playstation after that but i mean mario 64 who wasn't playing mario 64 oh, yeah uh, other than alex because he would have been like four i guess yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then I, I, just, I just stuck with it. Um, I eventually got a PlayStation and everything like that, but even at, kind of as it is now, like it's, it, those are my side systems. Like I played games on those where that Nintendo doesn't get, but I still prefer to play as much of my, uh, games on Nintendo hardware that I can. So I just kept going, you know, straight through GameCube, Wii and now Wii U. So, uh, not to mention all the handhelds. So it just kind of was this natural progression and never, I never once thought about like jumping ship or not picking up a piece of Nintendo hardware. It's just yeah. been with me since the Super Nintendo. So, what about you, Alex? Because you're because you're a little younger than us, so your story is a little interesting because you didn't grow up with like when Super Nintendo was was it, right. and that was the shit, you know. What Super Nintendo was to you guys, I guess N sixty four was to me. Uh, my brother had an N sixty four. I was playing it. 
his N64 for a while, and then I bought it from him with, like, Paper Mario and the first Smash Bros. for 20 bucks. Nice. And then I got a Game Boy Color for Christmas one year, and uh, Mickey's Magical Tetris, which I still have the original <laughs> cartridge. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, like, eventually I started growing into things like Pokemon, and I, uh, I was very much a Nintendo handheld gamer for a while, until I got my GameCube in, like, 2005. Like, I was very much Game oh, Boy geez. Color, Game Boy Advance, and then eventually I got into GameCube. And I just always loved Nintendo. Like, I've, I love Nintendo for the same reason everyone else on this site loves Nintendo. They always make the best games, or in my case, I was pretty much a Nintendo purist up until later in my life, which I'll talk about a tiny bit. Uh, but I guess I guess it's the big moral of the story is that when everyone else stopped playing Nintendo, I just sort of kept going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had like, a lot of uh, history to catch up on. Right, I I never like grew out of Pokemon. I was oh, I always had the same excitement. For you Pokemon. don't grow out of Pokemon. Some people feel like they grow out of Pokemon in my school. I never felt that way. I always bought the games as soon as they came out and was still anxiously awaiting to play them mm-hmm. before I got a hold of them. In two thousand seven, when I was planning on buying my Wii, I obviously couldn't get it earlier than that because of uh, shortages. I got my Christmas money, and I was planning on buying a Wii. And I wanted some kind of console. So I went to, like, a Circuit City, uh, rest in peace, and (laughs) I was ready to buy a Wii, but they still didn't have them in stock. So that day, instead of buying a Wii, I ended up buying a PlayStation 3. Oh, wow. And that's that's when it sort of split off for me. Mm. I mean, now I still can't let go of Nintendo, but my, uh, my attention divided a little between Sony, between PC, and between Nintendo. Uh, the but the love for Nintendo still never goes away. Right. And it's still the one I feel the emotional connection to. I find, I think the difference between people who happily still buy Nintendo hardware and play Nintendo games and those who, like, have absolutely no interest for it but are still kind of gamers, um, the big difference is whether or not you kept playing games through, like, kind of, I feel like, your middle and high school years and if you kept playing games on Nintendo yeah. platforms. Like, if you talk to people who only own, like, Xbox One or PS4, you know, the... the Those people didn't do a whole lot of gaming when they were little. Right. They know Mario. Like, they, they probably remember Mario from either Super, Super Mario World or the original Super Mario Brothers, but they missed a big chunk of, like, Nintendo history. And then they got back on with sort of the second explosion with, like, the 360 and games like Halo and Call of Duty. And that's what they play now, and that stuff's not on Nintendo hardware. So, like, oh yeah, Mario used to be great, but they don't have that sort of connection and emotional pull to go back to it the way we do, because we've played every iteration, um, and we've stuck with it. You know, I think, I think, I think Nintendo could bring some people back in if they relaunched the Nintendo cereal system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some breakfast cereal? Yeah. Is that what they need? <laughs> um. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's the difference. I think Nintendo make, needs to make a first-person shooter. That, that's where I'm at in all of this. Yeah. Um, Give it a real shot. Just see what comes about. They should make one where you're actually a ghost and you have to, like, hide in a, do- a bowl of dog food. Uh, <laughs> and then you jump to the dog and, and then basically, go, like, ghost trick, but shitty. Yeah. Sounds like a GameCube game that already came out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. It's an interesting idea. I'll give them that. Um, I think we are at our last question. Uh, yeah, it looks like it. Um, and this one I wanted to talk about anyway, because I've got a bone to pick with Zach uh, after last week's show. Uh-huh. Um, so now this is from Burke or Mr. Yasalatica oh, yeah. on Twitter. He says, 
I was happy to hear your critique, critiques of Earthbound after only hearing positives from everywhere else. I've only You're ever welcome. played it once years ago, but it didn't strike me enough to bother finishing. However, and I hope that I am recalling this correctly, as it has been easily 10, 10 plus years, I think it was the first RPG that I ever played that had the great idea of allowing you to not grind against monsters that were much lower level than you, and instead had the monsters run away or give you instant wins and the XP after a short pause. I loved this idea. After playing all the Dragon Warrior quest games to completion, the idea of easy uh, of easing the grind was very welcome. That's true. Um, that is a nice feature. It is. And I understand your complaints, Zach. Oh, good. Um, the, the beginning is hard. Uh, I, I will easily concede that. When I reviewed the game after it came out again on Wii U, that is probably like my one negative I mentioned, is that... It is very hard, especially if you haven't played Earthbound before and you just aren't expecting it. I mean, it's this, like, cutesy little game with this fun music and, you know, these these cute little sprites. And then all of a sudden you're just, like, getting murdered constantly. By mice <laughs> and ants. <laughs> right. Snakes and dogs and crows and, like, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, and it is. It's, it's very difficult. Um, you definitely have to grind a little bit in that, that first opening area. But... It gets easier once you get your second character in your party because the damage is dispersed then. It's not just all hit on your main character. And so, you know, it's shared a little bit. And that, that first character you get, Paula, she has healing spells. Or no, she actually, no, she doesn't have healing spells. But Ness eventually learns better healing spells. And yeah, can just, can just absorb more damage. Um, and that, the, once that happens and you're not like constantly fearing for your life, I feel like that's when a lot of the game's charm begins to come out with okay. the, the world they've crafted, how it's based on, you know, sort of this 90s Americana. Um, that's when you first find the Runaway Five, who are clearly based on the Blues Brothers um, mm. and all this kind of stuff. Like, that's that, that's to me when the magic really starts to come alive. So, well, I'm, I'm in um, Tucson right now, being sent home every other ter- every uh, 15 minutes or so, but I'm making slow progress, and people assure <laughs> me that I'm close to rescuing paula you are you are um first of all stay the night in the hotel in tucson and then you'll just teleport there when you die you won't teleport back home really yeah you you teleport the last place you stayed the night so stay the night in the inn in tucson and that's where you'll go okay um or it might even be just the last place you save it might not even be oh um, okay you know it might it might not be where you stay the night but either way do that and then um yeah you're you're just about there now you are going to get to another very hard part and that that's getting to paula um there's like a field you have to cross with like a river running through it and there are enemies that will poison you and oh. that can put mushrooms on your head that screw up your controls yeah that's happened quite a lot now already yeah the, the only way to get rid of them are to go to the hospital and sell the mushrooms um so it'll get hard buy a lot of teddy bears because they'll absorb some of the damage and just just plow through that area and as soon as you get paula it's it's going to get a lot better for you okay so yeah I, you, you'll I, see I, I bought uh, Monster Hunter 3U last night um, for 20 bucks, so my time is now going to be divided between Earthbound and uh, another RPG. Yeah, so that that's a smart decision on your part. <laughs> and well, Bravely Default, are you going to get that? Nope. Okay, so you, 2 is where you'll stop. You won't get to 3. That's probably good. Yeah, the demo, you finish the, the demo scared me off. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I think that will just about do it. Uh, no more listener mail. So thank you everyone who sent mail. This was great. Amazing questions. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, that will do it. So thank you. If you want to send us more listener mail, you can do that to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Again, send anything. We like reading mail. Um, Zach and Alex, thank you for being here. You guys, you guys should all come to PAX East. Do it. Yeah. Everyone should. should.
Yeah. Well, all three of us will be there at least. Yeah. Yeah. And we will more than likely be hosting the Nintendo Wear game again. Uh, it hasn't been approved yet, but it probably will be. So yeah. that will be fun. Um, all right. We will talk to you guys later. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.